Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting this story out. Um, so we'll just kind of kick it right into it uh, and uh, uh, jump right in. So Ming Sheng, thank you for joining us on the pair program. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Tim. Excited Excellent. to be here. Yeah. And for our listeners, this is another bonus episode of a mini series that we call How We Hatched. Uh, so this is a fun discussion to hear a little bit more about your unique career journey, You know where you kind of came from, how you arrived at this current point and your seat today as the CEO and co-founder of Blue Sky. Um, so I always like to start by having you provide the listeners with the quick overview of, of Blue Sky and the, the problems that you are solving here. Sounds good. Thank you, Tim. So at Blue Sky, we focus on making data clouds cost efficient. So to unpack that a bit, data clouds are the cloud-based platforms that provide data processing support, and increasingly also ML support. And one of the pain points for the last five to 10 years of the world transitioning to cloud is that people need to make sure their cost efficiency by moving the workloads to data cloud can be as high as, or ideally even higher than on-prem. And unfortunately, unlike what some of the cloud vendors have been uh, marketing, it is not always the case. And that's a combination with the limitations of the cloud platform, as well as the best practices of how people use the clouds uh, yet to be shaped up. And this is where companies like Blue Sky come in, and we're looking to help the world finish the transition to the cloud by providing the tooling, the expertise, the recommendations to make the workloads cost efficient. So that's uh, our mission at Blue Sky. We started earlier this year, and you know, happy to talk about our journey so far, and maybe also the you know my personal journey prior to uh, leading to this point. Yeah, very fascinating. I mean, obviously a space that is just you know getting bigger and bigger uh, each year, uh, more and more data coming out, and you know one of the taglines that jumped out to me on your on your all's website was you know your your snowflake copilot, um, and so obviously with the rise of these cloud data warehouses like Snowflake, um, you know this is going to be something that you know uh, companies are going to want to adapt to uh, just to optimize and become more efficient uh, when they start gathering more and more of this data. Um, so let's, let's um, uh, you know, let's go back in time a little bit here and tell me a little bit more about, you know, where, whereabouts you, you grew up and how you got into the, the, the world of tech. Yeah, sure. So maybe let me just go it backwards chronologically. So before Blue Sky, I spent close to nine years at Google as an engineering lead. I was fortunate to have led multiple teams uh, building out some of the mission-critical software components, such as the storage and querying layer underneath the $100 billion ads. That's where it was very exciting, but sometimes nerve-wracking to see every transaction going through my code and my team's code. And fortunately, we were able to make the operations pretty smooth, and we managed to make the backend much faster and cheaper and in turn, improving users and experiences. Because who doesn't like you know, having more interactive 
uh, dashboards that are supported by more performant backends. And after that, I got a chance to move to Google's AI division, Google Brain Team, and was fortunate to lead a, lead, lead a team to take uh, the first version of TensorFlow. As many of you might know, it powers Google's internal mission-critical AI workloads, and it was built by Jeff Ding and others. Jeff was known as the engineering god at Google, and we were fortunate to step on the shoulder of the giants like Jeff, learn about the workloads, the new challenges, and we took the backend, the TensorFlow runtime to the next level. We revamped it, launched it uh, later last year, and was able to gain really big impact by making mission-critical AI workloads like ads faster and cheaper. And in turn, allowed them to reclaim the resources, the data center resources, to then invest into new business features, launch new features to improve ads quality and improve monetization. So that's one key insight I also gained from the cost efficiency journey, where we're not only improving just the bottom line, but by helping people reclaim and use the resources in other ways to monetize, it also improves the top line. And I can go back further. Uh, before uh, the Google journey, I spent five years working on uh, early stage enterprise database companies. That was back in Boston. So there I learned a, a ton by being an engineer in early stage companies, I got exposed to not only working on engineering problem, but also being customer facing, uh, supporting and up, uh, upselling uh, deals as a sales engineer, and also doing product marketing work, tech evangelism, like giving talks at large scale conferences like Hadoop. And that helped me build a foundation to appreciate the critical elements needed to make enterprise software successful beyond having good tech and engineering products all of the sales marketing and other elements need to come together. And before that, I spent five years pursuing my master and PhD degree in computer science, specializing in databases. So when people say, oh, this database problem is really hard, we need a PhD to figure it out, I'm happy that at least I got that dimension covered. <laughs> and before that, I was born and grew up in Shanghai, spent the first 24, uh, 22 years there, finishing my undergrad degree in computer science. So I'm a first-generation immigrant, excited to be here uh, pursuing my American dream uh, as an entrepreneur and really living the dream every day. That's a wonderful story. So you, you came over when you said you're uh, in your 20s. Um, and uh, where did you come into the States? Were you out West Coast? You, you said you, you touched on Boston. Uh, whereabouts were you located when you first came into the States? So uh, about when I... Uh, was about to finish my undergrad in Shanghai. I applied to various U.S. grad schools, uh, received a few offers, and was fortunate to get a very good uh, scholarship from Cornell. And I like Cornell, not just because it's one of the Ivy League schools, very uh, reputable, but I believe it also has the strongest computer science program. And I especially liked the database group. My advisor was Professor Johannes Gielke, a very strong uh, uh, you know, scientist, and also a well-rounded manager and a great leader. Uh, currently, Johannes is a research director at Microsoft Research Redmond Lab. I'm still uh, in good touch with Johannes, and he's actually one of our angel investors and advisors to Blue Sky. So really fortunate to have met with great people, mentors like Johannes, 
and kind of build out my computer science and database foundation. And I love to hear how these folks come come back into your life, uh, you know, later later on. You know, this is one of the first folks that you interacted with when you came into the states, and uh, you know, now uh, he's participating as an investor in your in your current ventures. That's fantastic. Um, so and you, so and looking at your profile, you spent mm-hmm. a little bit of time mm-hmm. at Microsoft as well. Yes, I visited uh, Microsoft Research, I believe three summers in a row when I was a grad student. I always loved each visit. So when I got invited back, uh, you know, out of just you know, continued that <laughs> having more good time at work. And I loved the summer at Seattle. So I didn't really, you know, uh, I didn't really then go and uh, look at other places. There are other wonderful places mm-hmm. as well, but I love the three summers. Uh, at Microsoft, learned a lot, uh, worked on cutting edge technologies, like extending Microsoft SQL Server with stream processing. And that happened to also be my PhD thesis topic. And it's great to see how innovation can get landed in industry setup. And that's also one of my motivations for then getting into a startup as the first segment of my journey after graduation. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, you know, the first startup that you, you joined with, um... First of all, are they still around or? Yes, the company was founded by a professor named uh, Stonebreaker, Mike Stonebreaker, with a co-founder, CEO, uh, Andy Palmer. And by the way, Andy is also one of our advisors at Blue Sky. It's really fortunate to continue to connect with them and uh, get their support and insights. Professor Stonebreaker has about four decades of foundational experiences and contributions to building out SQL databases. And because of that, he received a Turing Award known as the Nobel Prize in Computer Sciences. And I was fortunate to be able to work at one of his companies. Uh, He moved from Berkeley to MIT in the early 2000s, and he founded that company out of the MIT Research Mm -hmm. Group. And so that was my first segment. That company was later acquired by HP, in 2011, I joined in 2008 with the anticipation uh, out of a naive young graduate student that it will become the next Oracle, so to speak. Because I read its research paper, I still distinctly remember back in 2005. And I I read follow-up work uh, in 2007. I am a big believer its technology can, uh, can leapfrog the incumbents by being 10x faster and more scalable. But little did I know, in order for a company to be successful at the scale of replacing the incumbent, there's a lot more to just having the cutting edge technology and product. So that was my four years learning at Vertica, where after the first three years, it was acquired by Mm -hmm. HP. Everybody was super excited around me. But frankly, I felt quite disappointed just because of my own expectation being set too high. But the silver lining is then after the acquisition, I got a wonderful one-year uh, tour of being customer-facing uh, and going, as I mentioned earlier, working with the big Radical customers like Syngas and others, where I deeply understood uh, the workloads, was able to demonstrate our new product features, help solve new business problems, upsell uh, closed deals. So that also generated a new sense of satisfaction out mm-hmm. of my work. And that's how I learned to talk in customer's language and present complex technical ideas in a way that can get understood and appreciated. And that's the foundation I take to my day, uh, day-to-day work at Blue Sky. 
in the field. Yeah, it's a fascinating profile because you know you don't often see you know so many engineers that that kind of border this line of product marketing, and I think that's something that you know through this experience and through this story, you know, you can start to see how product marketing and how vital that becomes as a part of of a business and their growth is you know really being able to relate to those customers and. To, to get that opportunity in such a large organization like that, I think is a, uh, it's a fascinating, uh, you know, piece of the story that stands out. Um, so you, so you moved to, to Google and, um, you know, I'm just curious, you know, how did you come across the Google opportunity? Was it somebody from your past life that, you know, was over there and said, you know, Ming Shang, you got to get over here. You know, we're, we're, we're doing some really interesting things. How did you, uh, settle on Google as that next place that you wanted to, uh, you know, spot your career indeed it's funny that uh so tracing back to our grad student time uh i went to microsoft seattle for internship some of my friends went to uh, bay area uh, google for internship around 2005 2006 time and some of them never came back <laughs> that didn't really uh i didn't really dig more uh, much into it I knew they were good places in the valley, but I'm very focused on finishing my PhD study. And in 2008, I got a very good offer from Google. And for family reasons, I had to stay in the East Coast. So I was thinking about joining Google New York. But then I ran into this wonderful vertical opportunity where out of the company's eight engineers, everyone interviewed me. And even sales and product management inserted themselves into the loop. So the interview was super exhausting, full day, but I was very impressed. And that was one of the reasons I chose uh, Vertica over Google at that time. Naively thinking that I can always go back to Google any day. And that, <laughs> that prediction came true. And so uh, back in 2013, I've been in touch with my friends who joined Google earlier on. They told me about all of the wonderful innovations, the engineering culture and everything there. And so that was a place that I really had positive impression. And so back in 2013, an opportunity opened up. Uh, uh, an old friend and uh, you know Cornell classmate of mine, office mate of mine, uh, helped me connect with their VP uh, of ads, who runs the ads and database backend. So I was recruited uh, at a pretty senior position, uh, and I was able to leverage my uh, past academic background as well as industry background at uh, Redica uh, and Hadapt to then make direct contribution to Google's ads back backend, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, I led the team to basically revamp uh, the background, uh, the, back the backend for storage and querying, upgrading the storage system from role-based to columnar. And back then I thought columnar upgrade was a piece of cake, so to speak, because I have done this, I have seen it, how it's done at Vertica. But turns out at Google's workload in terms of scale and requirements, it's very different. So there's a lot of new learning for me, and uh, in the end, we were able to finish it, not just completing the product, but also migrating all the existing data in about a thousand steps. So the analogy there, as people use is flying the plane while changing the engine, one little piece at a time. And fortunately, uh, the migration was very smooth. And this was pretty scary, even in hindsight, because changing the storage format means data might get corrupted. And if, if data is corrupted, then ads users will be very unhappy. And so I'm very thankful for the leadership support and trusting our team in this piece of work. And also through the hard work and a bit of a luck, we were able to pull it off. So 
So very proud of that achievement. It's got to build a bit of confidence for you uh, as an engineer, you know, coming in and, and getting that level of trust, uh, you know, from your team to, you know, go go forward with this data and, and ensuring that it's, you know, all quality driven. Um, your, your title when you come into Google is, is tech lead um, supporting analytical data infrastructure. Is that is that right? And yes. you're in this seat for looks like four years. Um, and then you end yeah. up mm-hmm. uh, transitioning into um, the TensorFlow uh, kind of environment. Is that right? Yes. And then one of the big things that jumps out here is, you know, in 2019, um, you know, your your role, it looks like, becomes this head of engineering um, within the, the TensorFlow department. So uh, we talk a lot on, you know, on this podcast about, you know, FANG environments, um, obviously comparing some of these to startup environments. Um, but I just want to touch real quick for our listeners that are maybe navigating career growth within FANG environments. You know, what are some of those things that you would recommend to to folks that are, you know, maybe, you know, starting their career off in a large big tech organization um, and wanting to navigate that career journey? Anything, anything that you recall uh, that would be beneficial to folks that are, you know, looking to you know, build their career growth uh, within those FANG environments? Yeah, sure. So first of all, a quick clarification, I was running the TensorFlow backend called Runtime. So I was head of engineering of TensorFlow Runtime. Runtime. TensorFlow itself is a larger organization uh, where my manager was one of the senior leads for TensorFlow's engineering. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, I did have a fair share of my experiences, having spent close to nine years at Google and earlier a few beautiful summers at Microsoft. So I can talk about um, all of the great things I appreciate at a place like Google and how that contrasts with startup mm-hmm. environments. Uh, first of all, Google has a lot more resources and um, that translates to uh, ten, you know, the tendency to give engineers more room to innovate, to experiment, and uh, sometimes make mistakes. The management culture can be more encouraging and that is great. It's also more hands-off. So for certain type of people, uh, it might be senior people who would prefer more autonomy, but they could also be junior engineers who would prefer to just you know, try out their things more with little guidance. This could be a pretty good setup. So in my experience for uh, Google, there were two kinds of engineering projects. One is pretty incremental uh, you know, for such a large uh, operational base at Google, making any change is non-trivial. It requires a lot of uh, effort in understanding the existing design code base and thinking about how to carefully extend the existing code base with the new feature, how to test it and launch it carefully. You know, sometimes, as I mentioned, involving dozens or even hundreds of steps. So even a minor change might take quarters, if not years of efforts. These efforts are very rewarding in terms of the end impact, even though it may feel tiny because of the large operational base at Google, let's say $100 billion ads. If you, someone is able to improve efficiency by even 0.1%, that is $1 billion worth of impact. So impact-wise, it is great. Uh, it depends on the engineering taste. Some engineers would prefer to tackle larger scope challenges. In that case, this kind of project may not be a good fit. And then the other kind of project is more, I guess I could call it blue sky-like project. You know, think bigger, 
experiment with things. Don't worry about the operational stack. Try to bootstrap something from scratch. And as I mentioned earlier, since Google has the resource to sponsor this kind of riskier projects, uh, some engineers almost working in a research capacity enjoy this type of freedom. Of course, now with the down economy, it seems various fan companies are tightening up. You know, the leadership ring a little bit. I understand that. But in the good times, uh, such projects were pretty uh, well supported. Many of these projects fail in the end. And Google still supports them. The engineers can continue to, if not getting promoted, at least continue to get the same great salary benefit and continue to experiment and innovate. And then occasionally, you have a project like the uh, ads backend, the column store I mentioned. Uh, it was productized into a backend system called MESA, M-E-S-A. And it's then carried over to the next generation system called NAPA. It's like NAPA Valley. And there were research papers in, uh, on, on these subjects as well. So that's the best of both worlds. We get to innovate from ground up and in the end through hard work and a bit of a luck, uh, impact the production, integrate that into the production. So these are very satisfying experiences. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I would say just to balance the arguments a bit is in contrast to startup, uh, sometimes the work pace may be a bit slower. I already mentioned one reason, just the complexity of understanding the existing stack and trying to understand it, uh, extend it properly. The other factor is just the human complexity, the organization complexity. There might be more stakeholders we need to align with, and that's super important. And if you know, I would be happy to share uh, my later journey in the TensorFlow uh, organization, especially that kind of highlighted some of those challenges. Yeah, the human complexity is the the, the area that we like to kind of pick apart. Um, we 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 say a lot of things that we work on here at Hatch and and at Hatchpad. The community focuses on the, you know this human side of engineering. Um, you know, when you would, when you move into a startup environment, um, you know, things are going to be very, you know, fast moving. You might not have all of those resources that maybe you could have leaned into at an environment like Google. When you, when you made the transition to Blue Sky, let's, let's jump into this now, because I think this is a good uh, pivot point. Um, what would you say was some of those instrumental and valuable things from Google that you would say, like on the human side of things that played a part in you as a founder um, and, you know, getting the trust of folks that are joining your, your team in those early stages, what was it that you say, you know, was, was instrumental or, or helpful for you? Yeah. So a couple of elements. First of all, it is the credibility we carry. Uh, my co-founder, Jun, from Uber and myself from Google. So given the track record, uh, we earned, uh, we were able to earn respect from our founding team members through uh, the interview process and then the day-to-day -day work. Uh, another part is the engineering culture, the practice of, for example, uh, thinking from first principles. So we try to learn from others' lessons, but also when it may not uh, be aligned with our intuition, we are not afraid of digging deeper and trying to derive. Uh, so folks, uh, trying to derive the truth. So for example, uh, conventional wisdom can be, well, by moving workloads to the cloud, since the cloud vendors have a lot more expertise and they have economy at scale, of course, the cost efficiency should be higher than running your own workloads on-prem, right? But the reality isn't that simple. With cloud, there are new challenges with how to use them efficiently. We have seen, for example, from one user workload, 
a single employee could accidentally consume $10,000 worth of credits without generating any business value. This is because all their queries actually failed, and maybe they were not aware of it. So you see these credits being burned with no value, and the head of engineering, head of data did not have visibility. So that's one of the examples where uh, there were not sufficient best practices or guardrails installed to basically provide the proper governance. I'm sure at the same company, if an employee have, you know, have, uh, goes and have a business lunch that exceeds a threshold, let's say $100, they need manager approval, right? But so how can they spend $10,000 of compute credits with no questions asked? So these are the exciting, uh, these are the kind of problems that excite us. Uh, we, we want to figure out both on the technical side, but also on the organization, uh, the human side, the process side, how to uh, improve the processes. So from first principle thinking, then there's also being curious and learning driven. Uh, and when we have learning, share with others. And uh, there might be lessons we learned from negative experiences, and we want to carry over good culture practices from Google, like uh, blameless postmortem. So these are the you know the the good elements we carry over mm. to those guys. Hey, startup techies! Has this podcast inspired you to explore a new startup career opportunity? Then make sure to check out myhatchpad.com/jobs to browse startups by stage, tech stack, and salary. So with Blue Sky, what is the, um, the current headcount? We have about uh, 12 full-time members, mostly in the R&D department, product and engineering, but we also okay. have exceptionally strong and yet small business. And um, you all are, uh, you have some seed funding, is that correct? Yes. And you're backed by Greylock. Yeah, which is a led by Greylock. Uh, with uh, support from additional VCs and uh, angel investors as well. And Greylock, you know, obviously a a very well-renowned venture firm. Um, you know, how many meetings did it take you before getting Greylock to invest? I'm I'm always think curious from a founder's perspective. You know, this uh this journey of get of getting investment. Um, talk me through that, and why do you think Greylock, you know, decided that Blue Sky is a good investment? Ah, uh, great question. So let me try and speak from uh, the Greylock perspective, but with a caveat that maybe this is a question better for our uh, board member, our investor, Jerry Chen. Jerry is wonderful. We had a small number of meetings before having this handshake agreement, and we were fortunate. I think one of the reasons for the low overhead is we have had prior relationship with the Greylock investors. So they kind of uh, knew uh, the, the past work for a number of years. And uh, for myself, I also got a strong uh, intro to another Greylock investor back then, Sarah Guo. Sarah uh, started his, her own fund recently, but we are still getting great support from Sarah, of course, as well as Jerry. And uh, basically through the, through the intro and through the past work, basically the uh, engagement started at a pretty uh, high level of the foundation. And you know, you you mentioned about twelve folks. Um, most of these folks are you know are are engineering folks, tech folks. Um, I noticed on you know on uh, LinkedIn, a lot of these folks come with the title of like founding engineer. 
Um, this is something that you know we've done a lot of research on. It's one of the hardest positions to to recruit for. Um, you know, what is it that you would say was helpful for you all with recruiting this first round of engineers in those early stages? Um, and the the title of founding engineer, and I know that sometimes titles can can mean something different to everyone. Um, but what would you say differentiates a founding engineer from maybe just like a, a senior engineer? Ah, that's a great question, Tim. So we subscribe to the culture where the company initially shouldn't have superfluous titles. Mm. When we give people unnecessary titles, it might generate more problems. So we try to minimize that. So we don't really have levels or levels that indicate the engineering uh, seniority. This might be different from some other startups, but that's the culture we subscribe to. So at Blue Sky, we only have titles for customer-facing roles where it's useful for customers to understand uh, the role of the individuals they work with. But then internally, we would want to just everyone work in a pretty flat way, and it's meritocracy, merit-based uh, when we debate ideas. And so for that reason, we don't really have levels like senior versus let's say principal engineer instead we use words that are more factual if they joined when we are still in the founding stage then they are founding engineer it's just a fact it doesn't otherwise differentiate them from the later engineers who joined and someone can be an area lead so let's say marketing lead or a deployment engineering lead and the, uh, the lead is also a fact. They are currently leading that department, but otherwise we don't, at this point, provide different levels of director versus VP, etc. Um, mm -hmm. That type of titles. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's it's going to be the type of thing too as the company evolves. Um, you know, look, thinking through, um, you know, the how the org uh, specifically. You know, when we when we talk, we like to dial in on like the engineering teams or the product teams. Um, you know, have you thought through, you know, uh, when is that le level that you're, you're needing a, a head of engineering or, a, you know, a director of engineering and, and, you know, what is it that, you know, comes into play for you that, that sparks, like, this is probably the good time for this. Yeah. So our view is initially, uh, the engineering team needs to be, needs to have a, a number of, uh, very strong individual contributors. 10x engineers and generalists uh, and have a kind of culture of being scrappy in the sense you know, let's say when I worked at Google before we start any large-scale effort people all basically conditioned or cultured to write large design docs because that's also part of a, a big way of how they get evaluating their performance but that's not how startups operate in the end we prioritize on getting things work and then along the journey, of course, we need to emit, you know, just enough communication bits, be it in person or write a short email or Slack or whatever, to make sure we get enough alignment, support from other stakeholders. But then we don't, for the sake of writing a large design doc, we write it. <laughs> so uh, it's important to have aligned culture where we can move fast. And making correct decision initially is important. But it's even even more important when we get new data, we can very quickly course correct. 
And so these are the, the traits, soft skills, the culture uh, we seek from founding engineers. When the team skills at some point, we might need a engineering manager. But at this point, we would prefer to have a flat hierarchy because there isn't too much management challenge. People are not asking for your performance review, even though we deliver that in a continuous real-time basis where we get feedback. But otherwise, we don't need the formality of having a performance review cycle, which in my experience could be consuming a lot of time and efforts. Yeah. So these are a couple it's... of things. But at some point, as we scale, I'm sure we'll bring in engineering manager, director of engineering, and so on. Yeah, I think it's a great perspective, you know, when, when we when we talk to founders in these smaller stages, you know, you don't want to get too distracted with, um, you know, the, the org chart at large, you know, how is it going to evolve, but more so let's build, you know, let's focus on our customers, let's be scrappy. I think this is a term that gets gets tossed quite a bit. And I, um, I can super appreciate that, you know, when, you know, building a small team over here at Hatch as well, in those first you know, five to 10 folks, you know, we were heads down. We were, we were talking about how to generate revenue. We were really focused on our customers and, um, you know, there will become that time to, to think bigger, you know, org evolves and, uh, you know, layers and things of that nature. But right now it sounds like you all are very heads down and, and that's uh, where you need to be. Um, what is the, um, you know, what is kind of like the core tech stack of, of what you all build with? So we build on the public clouds, mostly AWS. We also use uh, GCP. And uh, we, will of course, want to expand to Azure uh, and maybe other public clouds in the future if needed. And uh, basically, we have ETL tools like uh, Airbyte to extract uh, metadata from customers' Snowflake uh, instance. And this is the metadata like query history that we use to do our own analysis and make optimization recommendations. So that's our secret sauce for, for IT. So there we write our internal logic uh, in Python, uh, SQL, and so on to transform, enrich the data, and uh, make recommendations. And then we have a native UI framework uh, to then surface the visibility, the recommendations uh, to the end users. And is the team fully distributed or whereabouts are the team, uh, the tech teams kind of located? We're about half, half. So half of the team is in the Bay Area, but the, we do recruit in a pretty wide range. Right now, folks are basically folk, uh, concentrated in the U.S. time zones, including Canada. We used to have an engineer in Asia, uh, a contractor, but then it's been a pretty challenging experience logistically to coordinate in a meeting especially then with New York uh, and <laughs> with the uh, Bay Area. So for now, we're going to focus on just you know, the U.S. time, time zone and uh, will continue to be open uh, for remote hire, although we will continue to uh, make sure there's enough in-person time. Like back in September, we had a nice uh, all-hands uh, team gathering where we flew everybody to the Bay Area and we would want to do that uh, on a regular basis not just in the Bay Area, but find some other good, interesting spots to fly people together. Sounds like you really value that, that culture, bringing folks together, making sure folks know who, who one another are on the team versus just you know, another day at work. Uh, this is something that you value. Critical. Yes, uh, especially in early stage startup, uh, business-wise, 
it helps for people to build even stronger trust so we can iterate faster and we need to you know, pass along new thoughts and tweak uh, on the directions. So it's important to have enough of the, the bonding. And I think it also improves the personal sat satisfaction, the mm -hmm. engagement as we work together on a shared mission, uh, being able to more deeply understand, know each other, uh, improves that satisfaction. I get, um, I want to ask a little bit about the, the openings that you're actively hiring for, and then we're going to jump into a, a segment called the five second scramble. But before we do that, what, what are some of those key roles that you would say that are high priority for Blue Sky uh, on the tech front? So at this point, we are looking for a senior product lead, ideally someone who has done SaaS work before, taken a product from zero to one. So understanding how to do user interviews and then select design partners and iterate with them to continue to enhance our product, adding new product features. Uh, the founders, we had pretty good uh, pro uh, technology background. We also worked with product managers in the past companies. So we are kind of covering the product management for the time being and with the support from a very junior uh, product manager currently as well. So we're looking for a senior product lead. And in addition, we're looking for uh, another 10x engineer. Uh, they could become our chief architect or in general, just a very important tech leadership position with a strong, being a strong uh, individual contributor and also showing by example and leading the team on the implementation front. And in addition, a couple of senior engineers across different uh, infrastructure uh, function, functions like DevOps, data pipeline, infra to help us prepare for scaling up to supporting dozens and hundreds of customers down the road. Sounds like an exciting time to join the company. Um, the current team that's in place, uh, their backgrounds, are they a mixed bag of big tech and startups or you know, do they tend to have more of a theme of a, a background? It's pretty mixed, I would say. So uh, lots of presence from fan. Uh, mm. strong presence from Palantir. <laughs> and mm. also we have an engineer who uh, went along through the journey to take uh, Duolingo through IPO. So growing from wow. startup to a more established company. And they have also had you know, data experiences, infra experiences back at Uber. So a very interesting mixture of engineers with data and other infra background and across different stages of companies as well. Sounds like a, an all-star team you've accrued so far. So kudos to, uh, to the, the current success. And um, what would you say is something that folks can get excited about if joining Blue Sky today? You know, what's something that you're really excited about going into 2023? Yeah, thank you, Tim. So really excited about the team and thankful for the opportunity to work with everyone on a daily basis. In terms of what's exciting, first of all, we are looking for people what we call uh, who are uh, missionaries, not mercenaries. So first and foremost, they need to uh, be passionate about our mission of building next generation cloud infra for data and in the future for ML. So starting with making data workloads cost efficient. And uh, along that journey, we want to also understand their personal motivations for joining Blue Sky. You know, financial reason can be a good one, uh, but usually we think it should be the third reason, maybe the second, but not the first reason. So just to understand the personal motivation and where they want to grow 
and if the aspiration is aligned with blue sky. And also personal chemistry bonding is very important. Uh, so you know, this way, uh, there will be ups and downs. Joining an early stage company, there is bound to be surprises, temporary setbacks. And if uh, there are mercenaries, they might be uh, kind of exiting at the first sign of things not going well. But we need people who would have enough of a conviction, enough of, of a confidence and grit to go through the challenges. And I would say also loyalty uh, with each other. You got to trademark that missionaries versus mercenaries. That is fantastic uh, philosophy. I think that's a uh, that's really neat. It's the first time I've heard that before. But I think it, 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 I it's think a fantastic. Uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> it just it it makes a lot of sense from a startup environment. You know, joining for those right reasons, and mm-hmm. you know, very easily you can see folks you know getting distracted of you know, especially maybe coming from a fang environment, right? Where the maybe that comp isn't as as equitable as it might have been in, in the big tech space, but you know, what is your priorities right now? What is it that you're really looking for? Um, I want to close out uh, our last uh, few minutes here with a, a fun segment that we call the five second scramble. Uh, and in this segment, you know, what I'll do is ask a few rapid fire questions with you uh, and you try to sum up your answers within five seconds. Does that sound, sound good? Sounds good. Cool. All right. Um, so we're going to start with a little bit of the uh, some some business discussion, uh, business questions, and then we'll we'll float into some personal. Um, explain your product to me as if I were a five year old. You want to make the things you do uh, fast, but also cheap. Nice. What problems are you solving? We. We help the world finish the transition of their data workloads to the cloud by making cost efficiency a primary concern and uh, keeping it high with our continuous software-based monitoring and optimization. Who are your users? The current target users are the data infra engineers and the head of data who manage their company's Snowflake instances. What is your favorite aspect about working at Blue Sky? The sense of being empowered to pursue a direction that we deeply resonate with and think are meaningful and uh, work with a group of great professionals. What aspect of your culture do you most fear losing with growth? Being scrappy and being able to work in a flat way and moving fast and not having to coordinate excessively. What about your work keeps you up at night? It keeps me up at night in a good way because I'm excited about the future and there are so many things that we need to tackle. Uh, But in a bad way where... This is going to be a long journey, so I got to also make sure it's uh, a marathon and not a sprint. So that's something we you know, focus on, the personal, uh, physical, and mental well-being. So you all are impacting a lot of verticals within AI. Um, you know, what about AI, the future of AI, excites you the most? What's topical these days are large language models. They are driven by having high-quality data. One of the reasons why we started Blue Sky from the data angle is a lot of the ML 
companies first need better data pipelines and better data quality. So that's a good starting point to contribute to AI. What about the future of AI scares you? What's immediately on top of my mind is people set the proper expectations of the performance and power of AI. For example, don't blindly trust it if it's just making things up. Good answer. What is one of your favorite hobbies? In addition to thinking about blue sky and innovating, I enjoy taking time off through hiking. That's my personal form of meditation. What do you love most about yourself? Being driven and even obsessed. Do you believe that there is life on other planets? I don't have reasons to dismiss that. Emotionally, I hope that is true. <laughs> what is the favorite, your favorite app on your phone right now? Oh, wow. YouTube. I watch YouTube a lot. And what is your favorite superhero? Um, Professor X. Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good X-Men reference. Good stuff. Well, I think you have uh, navigated all of those questions. Um, and, you know, a quick plug as well on, on the YouTube front. We did pick up that there is a podcast that, that Blue Sky uh, hosts um, called Above the Clouds. Do you want to quickly give a, a shout out as to what it's about? Yeah, thank you, Tim. So Above the Clouds is our uh, Blue Sky production, in quote. Uh, where we use some side bandwidth to, in, to interview the industry leads in the data area uh, and also entrepreneurs, uh, professionals to learn about their perspectives of the current challenges and the techniques in solving these challenges, like making, uh, improving cost efficiency, uh, etc. So this is our way of uh, contributing back to the community and also uh, helping integrate Blue Sky into this larger community of the modern data stack in the cloud-based data and ML uh, community. That's great. Yeah, it seems like there will be some crossover between our audience and yours, so we'll be sure to to plug that in the show notes as well. But I just wanted to to thank you for spending time with us, uh, Ming Shang. We are excited for you know the future of what you all are building. Uh, we love the space, and I think it's important to have a company like. Blue Sky around to help facilitate the growth of you know other industries like AI at large. So we are we are rooting for you all. Um, and uh, thanks again for for spending time with us. Thank you very much, Tim. It's really great to be here, and look forward to continuing our that dialogue. Are you a startup founder or tech leader looking to grow your engineering or product teams? If so, Hatch IT could be a partner worth exploring. We've helped hundreds of startups scale their tech teams with relational and marketing-driven recruiting solutions. Check out hatchit.io hire to learn more about how we can help your teams grow.